there's some people I'd like to introduce you to. My name is Lyndall and I'm studying uh, my PhD, um, a Doctor of Philosophy in Biomedical Science and working on cryopreservation of rainforest plants. Hi, I'm Yasmin. I'm in the first year of my PhD. I just started two months ago. My research area of choice, to put it broadly, is all about looking at the evolution of morphological characters or physical features. G'day, my name is Ryan O'Donnell. I'm currently studying a Master of Scientific Studies at the University of New England. There's something they all have in common. I'm Ruby E. Stevens. I'm a first year PhD student and I'm studying floral traits in Australian plant communities, both at Macquarie University and at the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney. My name is Justin. I am studying the germination of seeds and how we can use that to restore some of the fractured landscapes. Okay, my name is Mel. Um, I'm doing my master's in conservation biology. Figured it out yet? I'm Adam. Um, I'm an arborist at the Royal Botanical Gardens. Hi, my name is Philippa Alvarez. I'm a PhD student with the University of Technology, Sydney. I'm also working out of the Australian Botanic Gardens. Well, hello, my name is Perrette May and I'm a horticulturalist at Sydney Royal Botanic Gardens. They're all passionate about plants. Everyone starts somewhere. Whether you're an athlete, an entrepreneur, a top-selling author, or even a high-profile scientist, there's been a starting point. But what prompts people into working with plants? Why do they do what they do? In this episode of Branch Out, we're talking to early career researchers and trainees to find out how they've gotten to where they are now and what they see as the future of plant science. Why did you decide to study in the first place? I started out doing chemical engineering, which wasn't suited to me at all. Yeah, all my friends were picking that sort of field, so I I didn't want to be alone. Like I told you earlier, (laughs) having people is important. So I did that, very unhappy in the first year, and then I switched it out for something I was more suited to, which I knew would be biology. So, yeah. I originally, straight out of high school, um, trained in communication, so I went and did a film degree, and then after that I was doing musicals and stuff as a bit of a hobby on the side, and then one of my teachers at the time said, oh, you should audition for the conservatorium you you might get in I said oh that's pretty exciting so I auditioned and then I got into the con so I spent you know I did my next bachelor's there and a bachelor of music and then I worked as an opera singer for a little while um, which is pretty exciting but while I was doing that I um, actually did a production of Little Shop of Horrors and um, I remember that I grew carnivorous plants as a kid and so I thought oh wow I totally forgotten about those so I went, I found a grower and I bought a couple and um, I just was absolutely hooked at that point and I just got really obsessed with them for a little while and um, I, th- I just started learning more about you know, the plants and their ecology and how they evolved and all those processes and then after a while I sort of started to realise that I was much more interested in plants than I ever was in, uh, in music or singing. From then on it's, it's history. <laughs> I grew up in the city and I didn't really understand the diversity of life out 
in the local, even in the local park or just nearby. I never looked around. Um, I well, I never noticed the greenery. I just noticed buildings and things, and so it was like a complete change. But it was just like a thirst for adventure that wanted me to make that made me um, work outdoors. So I came to arboriculture quite late. I started when I was about 30. Before that, I was actually a chemist. So, yeah, it's uh, not exactly the uh, path you need to take to get into arboriculture. So, I um, got sick of chemistry and I started doing some bush regen because I just wanted to be outside and closer to plants. And I found that somewhat depressing. <laughs> um, so, I changed from that fairly quickly after about a year or so. Um, part of that, though, I did do a chainsaw certificate. Um, and so that was sort of, oh, that's a bit interesting. So, um, and then I had a rock climbing background in just part of my personal life. So yeah, they sort of just fell hand in hand. I thought it was an interesting job and I really liked trees. So yeah, I thought why not give arboriculture a go? Yeah. When I first started, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had an interest in the environment and yeah, I kind of just realized I didn't want to work with animals because they wake up too early for me. So. <laughs> Plants are good because they're there all the time. <laughs> Looking back over the last few years studying science, what are you proud of? I'm, I'm mostly just proud of the fact that I've, I've got where I am and, and as far as I have. I, I, at the end of high school, I never thought that I would have done science and, um, you know, I, I was a terrible math student. I quite famously got... Um, my, I think on my final maths test I got 19%. Well, actually, my final maths result in high school I got 19% before I promptly dropped it before my HSC. So I didn't do any science or any maths for my HSC and I never thought that I would have done this. But um, now I've submitted my, my draft thesis. Um, I've got potentially a couple of papers in the works. Uh, I've managed to do a whole bunch of botanical illustrations, which was really exciting. Um, I started drawing in the middle of um, writing my thesis to make some notes of my observations. And um, Trevor, my supervisor, said, oh, these are pretty all right. You should consider entering them into the, into the Margaret Flockton Award, which is the botanical illustration uh, competition or award which is held by the Botanic Gardens. And um, that was a big motivator for me. I said, oh, that's pretty exciting. That's a nice little compliment. So I managed to get a full plate of illustrations together for the species that I'm describing and I managed to submit it. So just the fact that I got it in and I got it done and I, and I drew it all, that um, I, I never thought that I would have done that or I could, could do that. But yeah, just, just doing science and, and the fact that I've got here and that I'm doing it is really exciting. Um, even though the further you get on and the more you learn, the, the, the stupider you feel on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Thus far, while I was working as a plant ecologist, I did some projects on threatened species that I'm pretty proud of, just they're species that weren't very well known um, and I had to kind of find out what was known about them and go out and conduct a field survey within a fairly limited window, try and find out as much useful information about those species. So. That was pretty good. I'm actually I'm going out again to resurvey a species that was affected by the fires. That before the fires, I went went out and surveyed it. So there's one population in all of New South Wales. So I'm going to go back and see 
how it's doing after the fires in a few weeks. I guess I'm proud of finishing a PhD. Um, that's something that took, took a lot of effort and um, yeah, it's something that not a, lot of get, not a lot of people get to do, so I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself for doing that. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm proud of um, how I've changed as a person. Um, so during high school I was very shy and couldn't do any public talking and didn't like basically facing people and talking. Um, but now I really like doing scientific talks and yeah, don't, I think that's something that I've improved on and I'm proud of. I guess overcoming challenges and, and working out how to do things. Science is very rarely straightforward and there's always a lot of problem solving to get around even when you're trying to start a new project and yeah, just trying to overcome those challenges and then obviously having to be very flexible as you move along and change things as you go. I guess you've got to go in expecting that you're going to fail, that um, as I'm told frequently with my studies that a, a failure is also an answer, it means that that doesn't work and so you've just got to try something new and add another bit of information to the puzzle and talk to people around you. With research there's a lot of setbacks there's always, you know, you have a really strong hypothesis and you're really sure about it and then the data says, actually, sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> you didn't think about this other thing. <laughs> and you might have just invested a lot of time and effort into something that you maybe have to put on the shelf for a while. But I think there's still lessons that you learn from that, basically. And you kind of just have to take stock and be like, okay, what am I learning from this? Maybe it's not going where I think it was going, but there's always something that you can get out of it. This sounds very generic, but you just kind of have to remember why you love it. And the way that I remember that is by talking about it. So the more I tell people who ask about what I do, I can tell that my my face lights up when I talk about it and I kind of feel incredibly proud of the industry that I'm in. I was, I really struggled to write, but I found that taking critique from my supervisors was incredibly helpful and it was just them showing me how much they cared about my writing and that really helped me learn. To see the pages covered in red scribble and notes written all over it as a form of care. They've taken the time to look at what you've written and want you to learn and the best way to take that is as positively as humanly possible. Um, if they have sent you back a blank page with barely any notes then it feels like they, have, they haven't thought to take the time to look at it. Looking forward to the future as an early career researcher, what are some of the biggest problems that, as a world, that you see us needing to solve? I guess I'm biased in terms of my research areas, but um, in terms of systematics and taxonomy, um, many universities are really pivoting away from this sort of work um, to focus on sort of broader ecological questions, which is fair enough because there's um, you know, a lot of, um, it's very pertinent at the moment with um, potential ecological collapse and, and climate change happening. Um, but 
I think we, we sort of forget that this systematic and taxonomic work really underpins a lot of that other ecological work. Um, the analogy that I like to use is that if you were running a business, um, you'd need to know exactly what was in the storeroom and how much of it there was if you wanted to actually run that business effectively. And likewise with conservation, I don't think you can really um, do or understand fully um, an ecosystem or a habitat that you wish to conserve unless you know exactly what's in it. So um, there is a lot of talk about the decline of, of systematic, of the decline of systematics and taxonomy. Um, and a lot of it does have to do with the fact that it's getting harder and harder to find places that, that train and nurture uh, systematists and taxonomists. I think sort of public attitude towards, towards plants and towards the environment um, is something that could change for the better um, because that's sort of what drives sort of everything in the environment in terms of funding, in terms of um, just how the public see research um, and yeah I think it's something that if the public were made more aware of this kind of stuff then maybe they might have more interest in and maybe would look after a little bit better. Um, so I think arboriculture largely deals with urban trees so I don't think as, as it currently stands we don't have a large role in conservation of ecosystems. What we are really good for and should be used more for is preserving urban tree populations and all the benefits that come along with them so like the heat island effect and just you know the the ecosystems in the city um and just that connection to nature and trees as amenity things so yeah i think arboriculture i mean we're still in our infancy um as a as a, as a profession i guess mm. um and yeah just we, we need, as a society, to get better about managing an urban tree population for the benefits it gives us, yeah. I think uh, definitely overpopulation of the world is like a massive problem. There are so many people and there's only a finite amount of land. I think soil health is probably something. And um, I guess like healthy soil availability and mitigating pests and diseases. Uh, depleting our soil from the basic and most integral nutrients that we need to produce whatever we need to eat or whatever we need to uh, increase longevity, then we're kind of lost. There's only so much you can feed soil with inorganic fertilizers uh, until we've kind of run our sources dry. I think a lot of plant science research is conducted in the Northern Hemisphere or in countries that have far more research funding and all this kind of stuff. We have to base a lot of our research ideas off of things that have been done overseas. So I think for, for us, we need to do more research here in Australia and pick out ecosystems that are incredibly important to us rather than relying on information from overseas. I guess one of the main ones um, is climate change and the way that whether or not plants have the genetic diversity to survive changes at, at such a large scale. Um, for rainforest plants, I think plant disease is also going to be a major issue. Um, as we have more global movement, we're moving um, diseases around, particularly um, fungi and other things that you can't tell that you've moved around. Um, and yeah, I think as 
in conjunction with the climate change, um, it's just another stress to add on. And so looking at how we can provide food security and ecosystem security um, in the face of all these other um, pressures. A huge, huge, huge thank you to everyone involved in this episode of Branch Out. As I'm pretty sure you would have noticed, there were a lot of people who contributed to this episode. So thank you once again to Lyndall, Yasmin, Ryan, Ruby, Justin, Mel, Adam, Perrette and Philippa. This episode was recorded across the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney, the Australian Botanic Garden Mount Annan and my home office. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave us a review, or send the podcast to a friend. This episode of Branch Out was presented and produced by me, Rose Kerr. Next time on Branch Out, we'll be investigating extreme plants, ones that survive in seemingly inhospitable environments.